Welcome to the first ever podcast. My name is Jeremy Bohm. I am your host. And if this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guests, hear that? Guests with an S at the end, because this is the first time ever. My guests this week are Sam and Maddie of the band Pony. This is the first time I've had two people on at the same time. But this was the perfect opportunity because Pony is a two-piece and one hell of a two-piece. They have a brand new album out now called Velveteen. It came out on Take This to Heart Records. If you are a fan of like the hookiest pop rock of all time, you need to check this band out. Um, It's worth mentioning that I met Maddie originally as they played in Self-Defense Family for a time. Uh, So this was a fun chat for a whole hell of a lot of reasons. And if you're new here and you enjoy this, please subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you're listening to this, leaving a positive rating and review. Those things help. That's why uh, everyone asks you to do it. Um, Man, I don't even know what else to say about this conversation. It's just it's uh, I was nervous having two people on. I've never done it before. I was like stressed out about the audio, but they knocked it out of the park because they are professionals and uh, I just can't say enough great things about their record. Uh, you you should absolutely check it out if you haven't had the opportunity yet. They're a Canadian band. They just wrapped up uh, supporting Super Heaven on a handful of dates. Wish I was able to see that because I'd love to see this band live. Speaking of seeing things live, I am leaving for tour today. I'm flying out today, Wednesday the 31st. I started a tour in Europe. I'm going to be gone for about six weeks. But don't you fret. I worked my ass off to get a ton of interviews recorded. I'm actually spending today recording all of the intros and outros because my goal was to not have to bring any podcast equipment with me overseas. But I want to let you know where we're playing this week if you happen to be hearing this from Europe. Uh, we start the tour in Nuremberg and Nuremberg playing Rock Amring and Rock Imring festivals. Then on the 6th, we will be playing in Nijmegen. In the Netherlands, if I'm saying that correctly. And that's going to be with Wrong Man, which features most of the band Rise and Fall. It's their new band. And the incredible band from the UK, Chalk Hands. I'm really excited to see them play. And then we'll be at the Greenfeld Festival in Switzerland. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through every single show we're playing. Because as I mentioned, it's six weeks long. So every week I will mention where we are playing that week, if that makes sense. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with the incredibly charming, the very cool, it's the band Pony. I'm joined today by uh, by the band Pony. I'm This is my first time ever having two people on at the same time. So uh, this this is going to be a learning experience for me. And I hope that uh, <laughs> I hope that we can enjoy this together. I'm talking to, uh, to Maddie and Sam. Um, how are you? How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Uh, I was just talking. I mean, just off mic a second ago, I was I was talking to Maddie here about uh, um, that we had met because uh, Maddie played. Did, are you so with the self defense family situation? I know it's like a reoccurring cast. Would you uh-huh. still consider yourself a member of the self defense family? Uh, I definitely got I got hit up for the last tour that they did, but wasn't able to do it. So. Still, still in the fold, still in the group chat, but I haven't played a show with them since, um, I think maybe since the Europe tour that was like self-defense and uh, creative adult. I think that might've been the last one. Oh, and that sounds like that would have been a, quite a while ago. 
Yeah, I think it was probably like 2016 or 2017, maybe. Got it. Got it. Um, yeah, I, I've I've joked with Pat before in the past where I was like, how how does this work? Like, do you? Is I'm assuming it's just a group chat. Just be like, here's the dates who can actually do this, and then what happens if like everybody says they want to do it? It sounds like a band that would be like, okay, then everybody's doing it. I think at one point it was pro- like a little more like that, and then it got like progressively more complicated, and then. <laughs> Like I, I came into the fold just because like I was acquainted with Benny and somebody wasn't able to do the tour and Benny was like, Hey, uh, do you want to play bass on this tour? And I was like, sure. Had never met any of them and did like a a full month tour as my introduction to it. I didn't meet Pat (laughs) until we were literally on stage. He turned and was like, who is this? (laughs) (laughs) That's also the most, Yeah. That's psychotic. That's, that's also the most self-defense family thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. Um, well, I'm I'm stoked to be talking to both of you. It's funny. I was just, you know, doing my my little clicking around research. Uh, you two also have a podcast from what I saw called Too Much TV. Talk to me about that. Yeah, sure. Well, we we wanted to do a podcast for a while and we weren't really sure like what to do it about um but we watch a lot of tv and when the pandemic really hit i wanted to have something to keep us accountable as songwriters so it's like what if we watch an episode of tv every week write a song about it talk about it and we were really good at doing it for a while <laughs> for a while <laughs> we were we didn't miss a week um, wow but yeah then things went kind of back to normal and it's been a bit tricky to maintain yeah, I think like at a at a certain point early on, we both kind of like fully mourned the loss of music and we're like, well, that's not coming back. So like, what can we do instead that's still like creatively fulfilling, still involves music, but isn't like the traditional, the traditional way of going about it. So that's how we started doing that. Yeah, that's really interesting. So were you watching shows that you had never watched before or was it like an episodic situation or were you just... Like how, like what's the setup there? So we were following, loosely following the Ringers uh, top 100 television episodes of the century. Um, But sometimes we would go off book, off script and just watch like, sometimes we let our guests decide because we would in the beginning, just like force our guests to watch whatever television shows on the list. And then they'd come on the pod and be like, oh, that I didn't like it. And then be like, <laughs> cool. What do we talk about now? Right. Yeah, it was like a learning. There's a learning curve. Yeah. So now it's yeah. like a mix of trying to get through the list. And also like whenever we have a guest, we kind of just let them choose. Yeah. That's such a big, uh, that's such a big project to, I mean, just the TV aspect in general, just because it's not like a movie where you watch it and then it's done. It's like you, some shows have like 85 episodes. <laughs> we, I, we did podcasting on hard mode. Like, yeah, we chose the yeah. hardest possible thing to do. I don't, yeah. I, there are times where I'm like, how the heck did we even do this? Like, how did we? Yeah, like each of us recording a song, rec- like writing, a full recording, song every and week, releasing a song every week for like. I think we did it like pretty steadily for probably a year and a half. Yeah, that's incredibly impressive. Do you uh do you feel like you were both putting in the same amount of effort every single week? Because that seems like a project where at some point you'd be like, 
we could probably phone in this uh this ncis episode um (laughs) (laughs) song yeah i was like sometimes you just would write a song and the lyrics would just be like a boggle like you're just like whatever i can remember from the episode but it doesn't really matter but that was like kind of the good version of it you know like when it's when it was working best was when it was like whatever happens this week is what you get what you get and then other times we were both like deeply tortured and so like tortured. mentally ill over it being like my song fucking sucks this week i, I can't hate do it. this i hate you know this I mean? i'm like, horrible at this <laughs> oh my god and this was uh because you both also have a, a patreon is that was it like through a patreon situation or am i getting that right yeah the patreon is through is for the pod so there's like patreon yeah. subscribers who just they get like extra bonus material. You can, you can oh, download oh, oh. the songs every week, but yeah. like the the main feed got the song within the episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you? Mm. What did you two like learn about yourselves through that process? Like, did it? Did it? Do you think it like redefined you as songwriters in a weird way, or did it teach you new yeah. things about how you approach songwriting? Totally. Like I used to be when. Before the pandemic, I was working like three jobs and like I'd have one day off like every so often. And I'd be like, if I don't write a song on this day off, I'm not a songwriter. And I would torture myself to like try and write something profound on this like one magical day off. And then doing the podcast, it really showed me that like you can you can write songs that are like kind of shit and kind of bad and like they can turn good. Like if you just like work on them, it doesn't have to like, you don't have to like strike gold immediately. It can be like, it can be like a puzzle or a collage that like keeps growing and getting bigger and better. And, and it's also like a muscle. It's not this thing that we're like, you have to be like struck with inspiration or like struck with like a profound thought or like, you can just write a song about SpongeBob SquarePants, basically. <laughs> I think it also <laughs> turned us both into like into music producers. Whereas, like when we did the first Pony full length, it was kind of like a traditional writing the songs in the practice space with the guys who were playing, you know, drums and guitar at the time. And then this time around, it was like arrangements were like full arrangements, like pre-done, like finished. demoed fully, like rewrote yeah. all the parts before and like there's yeah. no messing around we're like get straight to business mm-hmm. sure uh i was just trying to think of who the quote was from but there's somebody recently like some songwriter that is universally respected you know like a, a a dylan-esque person but not not dylan but who basically said allow yourself to write a bad song you know yeah. like yeah. don't be so critical and and like throw something away like just let yourself write bad songs because totally you know you're just gonna learn from it like don't give up yeah. halfway Absolutely. through kind of a thing yeah yeah which Absolutely. is cool yeah i think there's probably so many people who never who like aspire to write songs and never do it because they're just like they're just being too precious about it ultimately when like if you just dump out that bad song a it might not be that bad b mm-hmm it makes it easier to do the next one every time. And you can like change it. Like it's like, it doesn't, it's like the song you write doesn't have to be that. It doesn't have to be the end product. Like you can change lyrics. You can change the melody. You can write new parts for it. Like it doesn't have to be You like, I don't think any song is a bad song. If you just keep like working on it. I mean, there's, there's two points to this one. 
Isn't it fascinating how you can be working on a song for hours and hours and have kind of a bad feeling about it or not really feel comfortable with it, but then a night's sleep and then hearing it the next day can make all of the difference in the world. Oh, yeah. Dude, that literally happened a lot. all the time. Like Maddie would be like, I, f- I hate my song this week. And then like we listen to it and they'd be like, oh, it actually goes. It actually really goes. It's yeah. I, I don't know what that is. I, uh, you know, not to insert myself in this, but like when Touche finally starts writing records or writing a new record or whatever it is, we a quote at every single fucking band practice is it gets quiet and we're all kind of awkwardly looking at each other. And then someone will say, <laughs> how about we sleep on it? Yeah. And then, <laughs> like we're going to record the voice memo, see how far we got. And then tomorrow we're going to listen to it. And yeah. everyone yeah. is going to feel completely different about it. It's really a fascinating thing. Totally. Even yeah. just like being hungry, like listening to your own song when you're like hungry or thirsty and you're, it's like, you can't oh do that. God. You have to like, <laughs> you have to be, you have to have a snack. You have to have water, some other drink. You have to have like had a good night's sleep the night before. Yeah. Changes no, everything. 100%. And the other thing I was going to say, you know, this is more of a, 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 a true songwriting nerd thing, but, um, I've always, for the most, I mean, these last like 10 years, it's like specifically writing lyrics on a laptop is something that I'm used to doing, but um, it almost sets yourself up for being too hypercritical as well, because you can just so Mm -hmm. quickly erase and edit something as opposed to if you're doing it handwritten, you're a little more precious about it. Have you, what's your process there? Do you have any thoughts on that? We were both just talking about this because- we're both the same where we write our lyrics out by hand. And um, I recently got some erasable pens because I make a lot of mistakes. But we were talking about how like when we're writing our lyrics, if we like write something that that is just so cringe and we hate, we're like, write it out and then read it and be like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you for thinking that. Like, that's so stupid. Yeah, like, scratch idiot. it out to like, punish scratch yourself. Scratch it out. Like, spend like 30 seconds be like, no one can ever know what I thought. <laughs> do you, uh, it's funny, do you two both have a line that comes to your mind that you're like, that you really questioned yourself about where you're like, this might be the worst lyric that I've ever written? Oh, all the time. Oh. Like, all of them. <laughs> I basically. Could, I couldn't tell you a single lyric I've ever written right now. Like, I sure. don't know. Like, I couldn't. But yeah. there's, yeah, like, I think a part of being a songwriter is, like, you have to be, like, so immune to your own cringe. Yes. Like, you can't yeah. be, you have to just be so strong and resilient because you're going to write some, like, it's just like a cringe thing. The whole thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like feelings. Yeah. I mean, like, someone please listen to how I was feeling on September 15th, 2017. My dad's birthday. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, the uh, Yeah, it's so funny. When there's, I don't know if you're ever familiar with that band, the Lawrence Arms. They're like a Chicago punk band. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember one of their liner notes records like they did they did the thing where it was like all the lyrics but then on the side there's like written notes about the lyrics like you know kind of a thing and there was one line where like it was like my wife and i agree this is the worst lyric that i've ever written kind of a thing (laughs) which is like super funny um on uh on our last record there was a lyric that i was so like I know this is bad and got convinced <laughs> by, into it by kind of everybody in the studio just to be like, no, man, fucking just let it go. Um, and now it's kind of a point of pride with me where I'm like, I know that is terrible, 
but it kind of has its own identity for me now, which is kind mm-hmm. of its own kind of fun thing, which is I keep plants indoors so I have something to kill. It's a terrible <laughs> lyric, <laughs> but, but at the same time, relatable. Cause I like sure. it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Sam like is a it. huge plant killer. Oh, I am a mer- serial killer over yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, I mean, that, that we recorded the record in 2020. So this is like the start of everybody mm-hmm. being indoors. And I feel like a part of the healing process of just being indoors was a lot of us got involved with uh, getting plants inside. A, a lot of us <laughs> totally. just, just felt like that was the thing to nurture during those tough couple of years. <laughs> Absolutely. But that like, once you've written your worst lyric, it's kind of hard to go up from there. That. You can only yeah, go Yeah, that's up. so yeah. true. You got that. It's like it's like removing the curse. You're you're good now. Absolutely. You're not gonna, that's you know. That's that's a very positive way of looking at it. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, the show you know the show is all about first experiences and things like that. Um, we can start with some bare bones stuff, which is uh, so. From what I saw, this band has existed since 2015. But Maddie, you didn't start in playing with the band until 2018. Is that right? And you're are yeah, you both from right. Toronto? No, no, I'm from Northern Ontario originally, but I moved to Toronto for school. And I'm from oh, okay. uh, Windsor, which is like the city right next to Detroit, like right at the border. Right, right, right. Yeah, I know that from just I see that sign as as you yeah, yeah, are yeah. about to panic having to talk to yeah. cops. <laughs> at a... um, where where in Northern uh, Ontario? Is it at like a really small town or is it a place anyone would know? Uh, I don't know if too many people would know it. It's called Sudbury. It's a real nickel mining town. Big nickel. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. And so when did you both arrive in Toronto? I moved to Toronto in 2010. Oh, I lived in Toronto three separate times. Uh, 2007 to 2009, 2013 to 2015, and then 2018 till 2020. Okay. And were you staying in Canada in those, like in between those times or, or? Yeah. I lived in Montreal for a while and I lived in Windsor again for a little while as well in between. Okay. Considering the mutual friend situation that, that we all seem to have, I was wondering if you had a stint in the States at all. Oh no, no, I don't, that's, I don't really know how that happened. The internet. Fair. Yeah, the internet. It's the internet. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that makes sense. Um, so growing up, um, you know, what was the first thing that you both connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was being like played in the house by uh, your parents or something, but uh, something that you found on your own and made you feel like you had your own identity. I so I was a big musical theater kid that was like my whole thing and I kind of like growing up missed out on a lot of like I think important bands that people my age like were really into or like a whole culture of music because I was like I'm gonna be a star on Broadway and I was like very (laughs) focused on my goals but um but my mom like ended up moving out of the city and into like the bush and we didn't have any internet but she had gotten me this like little record player so I could listen to some of her old records and I think just like I had an acoustic guitar and listening to Neil Young on a little record player in my room like it was like the only record I would listen to over and over again and I would like try and learn the songs that was like probably the moment where I was like oh like you can do this like you can like make music in this like 
way that's like different from everything else I had been exposed to prior. Sure. What what uh what was the inspiration with the theater stuff? Like and and uh did you was there like a is there a thriving theater community at all um in Toronto? Like do you ever go out to anything like that? Is that still a part of your interests? Not so much anymore. Like I went to school for musical theater, so I like did the whole thing. Um and that's like kind of how I became a songwriter was I graduated from college and it was like very hard to find work. Uh, and I had remembered that my one Shakespeare teacher was like, he was like, you know, Sam, I'm worried about like every kid in your class because like, it's so hard to find work, but I'm not worried about you because I know that you'll make your own work, whether it's like in theater or not. And so I was like, I'm just going to start writing music and hopefully find some people to play music with. And that's kind of how Pony started was it was like not like a last resort but it was like how can I be creative on my own terms and not have to wait for a call or like wait for an audition or like book the part it was kind of like how can I make my own work how can I do something that I think is like significant that's awesome that's that's a that's a first for this podcast I haven't I haven't had anyone go with the musical theater route so (laughs) I I appreciate that what about you Maddie that that's kind of a hard question for me because my family have they're all like pretty into music like it was always a thing in our house my brother is a musician he's 10 years older than me um my mom was really into like and still is into like contemporary music and like seeks new stuff out my dad's a big classic rock guy so like what is mine and what comes from them is like pretty blended um the first thing that i can remember like really loving and connecting with was uh nirvana and just like hearing that on the radio and whatever but yeah my mom had like my mom had the dookie cassette and had uh nirvana mtv unplugged and those were both like humongous for me yeah so good yeah absolutely those are uh, those are like the two bands that probably get dropped the most in that question i need to just like assume that that's gonna be most of every but it's like at the same time it's also like cementing just how important both of those bands are for people totally. of all different but i mean between people anyone in their 20s their 30s or their 40s you know like it seems to be kind of this beacon of uh alt that was different because it's also it's it's cool that your mom had uh a dookie and, and nirvana like that's pretty awesome it's like one of the records that my brother like i think the only record that my brother my mom and i connected on was nirvana unplugged you know like that that yeah. was like yeah. our sort of yeah family gateway thing which is uh it's cool to hear that that also translated for other people as well um yeah totally. what was the uh what was the first concert you all went to and also this might actually be fun for sam what was the first what was the first like musical theater show that you saw oh i don't i don't i, I was doing musical theater i started doing it when i was five years old oh, so wow. i don't even think i had seen a show the reason why okay. i did musical theater was because uh we were poor and we couldn't like afford lessons and I had a lot of energy. So my mom was like, oh, we'll put her in theater because it's free and she can learn how to do all this stuff. So I don't really remember the first show that I saw because sure. I was just always in them. But the first yeah. concert that I saw was NSYNC at Six Flags Darien Lake. <laughs> and it, I was like, this is, I'm so cool. Like, this That's is the coolest. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, that rocks. 
I've always fascinated by this, and this might be a tough question. Who opens that show? Like, is there an opener oh for NSYNC? Yes. The <laughs> opener was Jordan Knight of Whoa. New Kids on the Block. Oh, and it was wow. his solo. His solo record had just come out, which I had also and because my babysitter was older than me, obviously, and she <laughs> was always showing me New Kids. And so I love New Kids and no one else like loved New Kids. I'm sure it's probably like one of the only people at that concert who was like stoked that Jordan Knight was there. <laughs> but it was really <laughs> cool. <laughs> I like how cred that makes you a little kid being like, oh, well, actually, Jordan came before NSYNC. So yeah, he's the uh, godfather, all... guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what about you, man? Uh, I wrote the date down. Uh, oh, August wow. 22nd, 2004. I saw Rush on their 30th anniversary tour at the Molson Amphitheater. That's now the Budweiser stage in Toronto. It was also the first that's, time I ever went to Toronto. That's so Canadian. That's amazing. I know. Yeah. That's I know. So cool. <laughs> I know. Wow. Damn. Uh, yeah. And how it was that? Rocked. So, yeah. How, wait. So were you like a, like a little kid? Were you, how old were you? Yeah. I was like a young teen. I think I was probably like 13. I would have been 13 at the time, I think. Yeah. Something yeah. Like wow. How, what, yeah. what do you remember from that experience? uh we had lawn seats so every getty lee was really small uh yeah, course, the yeah. voice the voice fit his size uh, <laughs> it was really good um obviously they fucking rule there's like yeah you don't you don't they don't miss uh but i also i went with my friend ryan dixon and we like brought our skateboards and like we're out looking for skate spots and like my parents <laughs> took us around <laughs> while we did that, which is kind of fun. Wow. And I think Damn. we went to, I think we went to like the hard rock cafe or something for dinner. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Same question. Who opens for rush? Do you remember Nobody. who opened? Okay, Just yeah. raw dog rush. <laughs> Nothing That's else. what I, yeah. They strike me <laughs> as uh doors at doors at seven rush at eight 30 and you get rush for, four hours that's exactly what it was yeah. that's so yeah. cool yeah um what uh at what point did you two start uh being interested in playing music like what was your first instrument because both of you play instruments so like what was uh what was the first instrument you attached yourself to and when did you start learning um i started learning how to play music when i was in high school so my boyfriend at the time had gifted me like a little guitar for christmas uh, like a little acoustic guitar. And then he cheated on me <laughs> and I smashed the guitar in like this blind, like this red hot rage. Like I smashed it to smithereens. And then I was like, wow, I'm a real idiot because now I don't have a guitar and I was truly like learning how to play. But oh, then I no. bought an electric guitar and I was like, well, now I'm really ready to rock. And now I have something to write songs about. So <laughs> it ended up working out in my favor. What uh? What kind of guitar did you end up getting? What was your electric? My electric was a little tiny Dan Electro, and it was pink, and it was oh, so cute. Cool. But it was the worst guitar ever. It like could not stay in tune. So oh it was, my god! Yeah, but it was amazing. Like at the time. Yeah. Wow! Wow! Uh, I have a funny Dan Electro story where uh, this guy that used to tour with us um, uh, a long time ago, he just like helped fill in sometimes. Um, 
he let he accidentally left his like Rickenbacker, like this badass Rickenbacker at a venue. And we were like panicking and like, you know, we got to get this thing back. So like he finally found somebody to send him the guitar. And then when he got what he got sent was not the Rickenbacker, but this <laughs> random ass Dan Electro. And he was just like, what the fuck? And then never heard from the person again. Oh my, oh god. my god. <laughs> like wow. Yeah. Just just the the of all things, like just the offensiveness of like this was this is comparable. So uh, you'll never you know. notice. <laughs> you'll never yeah. 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 Also at that point, like why even send a guitar? Just steal it yeah. and stop yeah. talking with the yeah. It's almost yeah. insult to injury to have replaced the Rickenbacker with the Dan Electro. Oh um, my God. Damn. All right. What about you? What about you, Maddie? Uh so I got a bass first because I I originally wanted to play drums, but my best friend at the time already played drums. So I had to get a I had to get something else. And his Classic. older brother played guitar. So I got a bass. Uh I don't think I really knew what a bass was when I got it. Like I don't think I knew what it was supposed to sound like or anything. It was just like Sure. This yeah. is what this is what I need to play. So yeah. Right. I got an, I got an Ibanez Geo or something like that for Christmas. Okay. Is that still in your possession or is that long gone? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh I don't up until like maybe three years ago, I couldn't hold on to anything for more than a few months, like just always selling and trading and whatever. And now yeah. I'm going the opposite way and becoming like kind of a hoarder and I can't fair. let go of anything. Fair, fair. Uh when you both are writing songs at home, like what's, I'm assuming you're programming drums usually. And then, uh, do you, are you both playing guitar and bass or how does that work out? Uh, on our demos. Yeah. We'll like play, play everything ourselves. But if I'm writing us a, a demo that I know is going to be a pony song, that's not for the podcast or anything, I will leave like a lot of empty space because i know that maddie will have like way better ideas for for some parts than i would so i'll leave like holes in the song for for maddie to fill in but like half of half of the songs on the new record like came as kind of like synth pop songs that sam made in like yeah iphone garage band i was writing a lot in garage band because um our neighbor downstairs was very uh mean deranged she was horrible and like we we just like couldn't make any noise so i would just be like on my phone like making up songs like making eight bar loops and then go coming back to them and being like oh is this worth anything is this worth putting a melody over and then like a lot of the songs grew out of like just making like little tiny songs yeah, that like way no real instrument played on it at all at all just yeah all just iphone garage band wow yeah. thanks neighbor yeah. yeah, she complained about us folding laundry at 2 p.m. once. She's like, you guys are so loud in the morning. We're like, ma'am, it is 2 p.m. Fuck. Is that, yeah. Does that person still live below you? Well, okay, no. so we we moved out and moved into a house right next door. Um, mm. Just out of like a weird... Coincidence. Lucky coincidence. And yeah. Sam was like... You know, like I hope, uh, I hope like a family with kids, with kids moves, moves in above, there. and that is exactly, exactly what, what happened. A uh, family with two young boys, um, yeah, and she was out within like thirty two days. Yeah, like yeah. she didn't last long at all. But as one last fuck you, she threw all of her garbage and in like mattresses yard. and stuff in our backyard. 
What? <laughs> yeah. I had to call the old landlord and be like, you got to clean gotta come this up, man. Up. And oh then he told God. me after that, like two months later or something, she was like, hey, I, I can't find another apartment. Can I move back in? And he was like, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'd be really hard not to have like uh, spite battles with that person where you just like call them out Dude. of nowhere and be like, you're making too much noise when they're like clearly not making any noise. She all. was yeah. way too powerful. She yeah. was, like she, <laughs> we there was nothing there's nothing could we could do like we even try to be like we're gonna we're gonna outlast her like we're gonna do survivor like we're mm -hmm. gonna outlast this hoe and like we're gonna stay here longer <laughs> but it got to the point where like we we were in lockdown for so long in canada so we were locked in the house and like we weren't talking to each other all day long and like we're just like both like sitting on the couch like we would get up and like walk to the bathroom and we'd get a text from her Oh my like, God. She called the landlord on the day we were moving out. Being like, they're moving furniture up there. We're like, yeah, dog, because we're getting out of this joint. Yeah. Oh my God. That's a, uh, yeah, that's tough. That's, that's no fun. That's no fun. That's yeah. a block situation. And just, you know, you mm -hmm. want to come knock on our door. Let's, let's get into it. That's tough, man. Yeah. Uh, but the thing was like, she had a, she had a four day party one time, nonstop unrelenting four days straight this person People is smoking. psychotic that's I, crazy. straight she up is. straight up like they smoking, were smoking cigarettes, cigarettes in the house. inside in december we had to keep our windows open because it smelled so bad in our apartment yeah we couldn't we could not beat her there was no there was amount no, of, like like without being like a fucked up yeah. person there yeah. was no amount of spite that you could put into this. yeah i'm almost impressed i'm almost impressed yeah it's honestly it's honestly <laughs> yeah um what about uh what about your two first bands um when did that start uh how many you know yeah so yeah what was uh what about first bands pony is my first band so <laughs> it's Amazing. i don't really have a fun answer yeah okay yeah uh my first band was my best friend who played drums and his older brother uh his brother's name was pat his name was steve i'm maddie so we we're called pms um that's so and funny we covered uh toxicity by system of a down and stay together for the kids by blank 182 which was the As first song does. i learned on bass <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing i learned on bass i asked my brother to teach it to me the whole bass for that song is just a g and an f sharp in the chorus yeah and i was like what yeah. is bass like what right <laughs> uh, what is this thing yeah in a way in a way i'm sure it felt like a cheat code where you're like, I don't have to do that much, but I get to still be in this thing. Um, wow. Uh, and then what was the first? Uh, well, so what was the first pony show? The first pony show was in the basement of a venue in Toronto called the Smiling Buddha. And I can't even remember who we, who we played with. We got added onto the bill like super last minute. It was our first show and like so many people were there that shouldn't have been there um but i was just it was it feels like a fever dream thinking about it now like i don't even like what i don't even know what i was playing like it was <laughs> did you play chaos. lead guitar at that point yeah okay i played lead and rhythm depending on what song i was singing but yeah it was just how an long interesting had, time yeah how long had pony been together months like not like not long at all just uh just like a quick we had like maybe like five songs that were pretty much all the same song 
but we would just play them five times. Yeah. Some a little faster than others, you know? With a drummer who was brand new to drums, right? Yeah. The yeah. drummer was not a drummer and we, I was not a guitar player then either. So <laughs> it was That's just like pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. I think it was it's pretty charm. charming. Yeah. 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 Were you at, were you like a first of on a bigger show? Were you headlining this show because it was like your first show and you brought out a bunch of friends and family? What was the setup? I think it was a, sh- uh, there was a band from out of town. I think the band was called like, I don't know if this is real or if I'm actually making this up. I think the band was called like the boy who fell out a window. And <laughs> that very they screamo. were, yeah, yeah, for sure. They were playing and we were playing. And it was just a two band bill. And I think a lot of people left after we played. We played first. And I think a lot, I think a lot of people were there just to like kind of watch us fail, um, which is cool, I think. Because <laughs> you've got to do it for the haters. For sure. Um, whether that's true or not, I think that there's something positive about getting your haters to pay admission to see you fail. So one thousand percent, one thousand percent. What was your what was your first show, Maddie? It might have. OK, there's two that it might have been. So after that band, after the band with my friend and his brother, it became yeah. me, my friend who played drums and our friend Kyle Murray. Uh and I think the band was called The Incompetent Fools, maybe, which is something that <laughs> I think I took from the Kurt Cobain Journals book that had come out around that oh, time. Oh, sure. I think that was yeah. like an alternate name for Nirvana. <laughs> um, Interesting. And we either played a Battle of the Bands at an indoor skate park where the band who won the bass player was one of the judges. No, come um, on. That's not fair. Yeah, no. That's I agree. not fair. Uh, or it was our eighth grade graduation party where we covered a Gigi Allen song. Oh my God. Oh my <laughs> because God. it was in a skate video and I had like no point of reference for who Gigi Allen was or like what his deal was at all. <laughs> okay. All right. So that leads to a whole lot of thought because um, <laughs> that's like. That's like saying that's like someone covering a Guar song without ever seeing what they look like. <laughs> yeah, like no I, had, one, I had no idea. You're like, no one actually no listens clue. to the music of these bands. It's just the, <laughs> it's the gimmick. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> the song incredible. Bite It You Scum was in uh, Chomp on This in Eric Costin's part. And in oh it, God. he's like in a Gigi Allen costume for a bunch of Which, little bits of it. But I like, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know any of it. I was just like, cool song. <laughs> yeah. What's even a Gigi Allen costume? Just being covered in piss and shit. Like, what's the, <laughs> like what is I think he had like a costume? bald cap and fake facial oh, hair. And stuff. Like, like a tiny leather jacket. And yeah, yeah. maybe. <laughs> oh my God. That's incredible. Oh yeah. man. Um, so, Oh God, what are we wondering? I'm I'm thrown off by that. That is just <laughs> that's impressive. That's impressive. Um so yeah, I saw Sam, I saw that uh you all did like a uh an audio tree session before Maddie was in the band. How did that come your way? Like ha- did had pony because from what I can see, like the first record release is the TV star record, right? But you had been a band for a while before that. Was there ever an LP before that that you just like don't have on the internet anymore? Or is it just singles? Like what was the deal? 
We released a couple EPs before that. Um, we were signed to like a like a boutique label in Toronto for a while, and they had like a deal with Audio Tree, and I think they were trying to do like an Audio Tree Canada. Like they were trying to like get that off the ground and I don't think anything ever materialized from that. And then that, so that's how we ended up doing that audio tree kind of like, it was like audio tree on location, like different. Right. Yeah. 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 And are those songs that you played there, were those just, so were those just mainly like digital singles? Uh, Those were off of an EP we released with that label, but yeah, there was never. I think we made a CD. Yeah, yeah. we had a CD. Okay, so there still was have never. Them. Yeah, still have. <laughs> Fair <them>. enough. Wants <laughs> uh, one. <laughs> what was uh? So what was the first time that both of you ever had a recording experience? Like, has everything? Um, I'm sure it's different for you, Maddie, because you were in all these other bands. But like, um, Sam, for you, has it always been home recording stuff, or did you, or did that band, or did the band go to like a a recording studio at any point before that? The first time we went to a studio was for that EP. The EP is called Do You. And we were like basically kind of peer pressured by the label to go to like the most expensive studio in Toronto <laughs> and uh, pay for it ourselves, myself. Um, wow. And yeah, yeah, it was the, it was bad. And it was a bad, kind of a bad experience too. Like I, it just was it it's very hard to be like not a man making music i think like you're in a room full of all of these guys and like kind of no matter what you want they're going to be like well my idea is better like i'm in a i'm in a better band than you and like oh no we're not gonna let you do that or oh no you're not gonna do that and it 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 can be like quite traumatizing um and that has largely been my experience in the studio has been like pretty traumatizing until we recorded our new record Velveteen, where it was just Maddie and I making the songs. And then we had um, our friend Josh play drums, but it was just like all our ideas. And then uh, our engineer, Alex Gamble, he like is just an angel and like Love him. I felt really heard and like it was like a safe space and like we could make mistakes and it was really nice and I never felt like there wasn't any like weirdness or anything that I, right. anyway that this yeah, sure. is not about that but yeah my first experience in a studio pretty bad and pretty much like was a uh, what I assumed it was like making a record right which is terrible which is, is- just the worst thing in the entire world when your first experience in that situation uh, leads you to feel that way every time you enter a studio to be like, oh, this is going to be that atmosphere where um, I'm made to feel small or uncomfortable yeah. or that what I'm doing is wrong or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's not fair yeah. to, to anybody. Um, also, I'm, I'm I'm still unsure how um, this is just an over this is just as an umbrella. I'm not sure how Canada works. Okay, so in the sense that, uh, in the sense that I know that there's uh, a grant program that for mm-hmm. musicians uh, or record labels or whatever. Like I've heard plenty of stories about record labels only existing to get the grants, and they don't actually actually help yep. their 
artists. Like I know that yeah. is a common thing that I hear. Um, so it's almost frustrating to hear that you were put in this position to be told to like front a lot of this bill when like it would a grant program have been a possibility at that point. The grant system is typically for larger artists. So if you're like a smaller artist and you don't have a team and you don't have um, like a pretty vast knowledge of like legal jargon, Ah. uh, it's not really like for you. And like you can have access to like a small amount of money, but not like enough really realistically to to make a record. Um, It's like the people getting a lot of the grant funding are like broken social scene and like metrics and like, yeah. yeah, grimes, like people who like pretty much don't, don't need it. Need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it is like, I think like a pretty broken system. Um, Cause it's, it's also not... like a very ableist system. Like if Absolutely, you're not, like... if you're not like somebody very skilled at writing, if you're somebody maybe with, you know, a learning, a, disability. A learning disability, you know, like, like if you're not, if you're not set up to be able to fill out these big long grant applications, you're not, you're not getting it. Get it. Like, and then if you can hire a grant writer, but I don't know, we don't have the money for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's like a very, and even then it's a gamble. Yeah. You might not get it. So it's a very like broken system. And if you're lucky enough to get it, that's really sick. But they reserve a lot of that funding for like big bands, yeah, bigger bands, That's... and pretty like pretty much yeah. every notable Canadian label is also like owned by Universal Canada or Sony or whatever. Like, it's not, ugh. yeah, it's not it's the just, same it... thing. None of sure. it is the same thing. Yeah, we'll just put it that sure. way. Sure. I remember, yeah, I remember kind of hearing most about this from, um, I don't know if you, if you either, if either of you know, uh, the single mothers dudes at all, but, mm-hmm. uh, Drew from single mothers was the one who was telling me about exactly like the grant writing program situation where it's like, you have to like potentially hire somebody to do this. And just, um, the amount of kind of like politics involved in it is really difficult where there's only a certain amount of grants, uh available yeah. and all of this and so i know i've heard do, heard tell from them how frustrating it seems to be but from us in a, you know down here in the states we're just like wait a minute so the government will pay you to to, to record a <laughs> you know, for like we're not used to the government helping us with a goddamn thing so uh, yeah. yeah yeah but like think about it in the sense that like you know california is a little tougher but like if you're on the east coast you yeah. can tour and make money, oh my God. money yeah pretty easily yeah. whereas totally. in canada like <laughs> the the sure. option to do that is not really there like you're playing yeah toronto montreal ottawa maybe like how many times can you do that right and even then yeah. it's like there That's are other to, places uh, but very limited crowds like it's it's you know i talked to uh to stefan from uh from pup on the show and mm-hmm he was telling me about how difficult it is just in the sake of like being a Canadian band and doing us tours where you're spending so much money to yeah. even get into the country. So it's like, yeah. there's yeah. no way you're going to even break even as like a DIY band coming over for the first time. So like, uh, I think which they're trying to even... raise right now by the price. They're trying to raise the price by something like 250% of what, what? it currently is. Yeah. yeah. It's oh, going insane. from like $600 to like $2,500 or something like that. 
Oh my God. So it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, I mean, even with it being 600 bucks, like someone might hear this and be like, that's not that much money, but you're like, yo, if you're a DIY band and you're getting a yeah. hundred dollars a night, if you're lucky, you know, doing yeah. like house shows or basement shows, it's like, there's no way. So it makes it almost, you know, it's, a, it's like, sounds like it's an uphill battle to like have to gain a following in the States. And then, you know, I think the phrase he used, which I, which I liked was golden handcuffs about like, um, just becoming a popular band in Canada, period, where it's like you can only do so much as far drives or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but you sort of feel like it's it, you it becomes more difficult to uh, to hit in the States. So I don't know. It's It was a fascinating thing. But um, yeah, I, I it, it sounds like one of those situations where like for everything that might from an outsider seem like, oh, that works really well. There's a hundred other things that make it extra difficult for you all as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's and truth. it's like, uh, let's just say, like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't exactly lend itself to funding things that are interesting or exciting or different or that stray from what other Canadian music sounds like or what's going to play on the Canadian radio stations, whatever. Like, right. if you're outside of that, it's, it's tough, right? Yeah. Totally, totally. I remember always just being a fan of so many bands from uh, from the Toronto area or just Canada in general. I remember always being fascinating, fascinated by like finding out that uh, the same people that recorded at this one specific studio, maybe like the same people that recorded Weaker Than's records, also recorded like the Cursed records and stuff like that. Like that's something that has always <laughs> yeah. fascinated me about that scene in general. Um, and like you know how everybody kind of goes to the same spots. Uh, I don't even know what studio that would be. Do you, does that sound from like a specific studio? Either of you would know what I'm talking about. I couldn't tell you which one it was, but yeah, that sounds right. But yeah, that is pretty much, there's like a couple places you would go. Like, yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, if you want to get the grants, like you have to prove that you're working with like reputable people. And like, it's not cheap to work with reputable people. You can't be like, I need a grant to make a record with my friend. They're like, no. You have to make it with someone who has like a laundry list of credits. Hey there. Do you need to get some merch printed? My incredible sponsors over at Anchorfish Printing has a great deal going on right now. You can get 100 soft style shirts for only 499 bucks. Do the math. That's a great deal. For details, email michael at anchorfishprinting.com. You can also visit anchorfishprinting.com and see what else they have to offer. They are a one-stop shop for all your merch needs. And don't forget to mention the first ever podcast when you place your order. So the first release that you two uh, put out was the, as together was the TV star record, right? Um, And that came out on- TV baby, sorry, uh, that's that's my note being a uh... TV star is the good band. Yeah, we that's like that right. band. I think, yeah. that's, I think that's where my brain went when I was making these. Yeah, uh, but that came Thank out God. on a on a take this to heart records. How did that relationship start? How did that come together? So that came together because I in 2020 we were we left our record, our Canadian record label. Um, and I was just like cold calling agents because I was like, we need an agent. Like we need to be touring and we need an agent. So I was like cold calling like any agent's email I could get. And we had been doing 
DIY been, touring prior to that, like booking ourselves. our own shit, whatever. But I was but like, yeah. I gotta be, I gotta be on this. And then one agent got back to me and was like, yo, this is sick. Let me put you in touch with some people. And then he put me in touch with Joe from Take This to Heart. And then the pandemic hit, or I guess Joe contacted me like right as the pandemic had started, like maybe in May or something. Yeah, yeah, very early. And we like talked on the phone for hours and hours and I told him about like a lot of my hesitations about signing to a record label because my previous experience with a record label was just so horrible of and course. horrific. And he was like, yeah, well, like it's not going to be like that. And uh, he wanted to put the record out and we wanted to put the record out, but we didn't think we would ever play those songs live. Like we were pretty much like we're putting this record out because we worked so hard and like we finally have a result that we like and we're proud of it and somebody wants to put it out but we never thought like we thought touring was done was done and uh so that record came out uh like is is there's like a physical copy of that record that came out over the pandemic yeah 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 okay yeah the second pressing just came out Oh, amazing. And how, I mean, after all that work and all of those feelings about it, like how did that feel to get that in your hands for the first time? It was so cool. We actually like didn't even get a record until we went to visit my mom and she had pre-ordered one (laughs) because we were like (laughs) so broke. And so like I went to visit my mom and she had it and we're like, can we see it? Can we see it? And so we got to like hold it and look at it and it was so special. It was like, it was so... I felt so proud of us and I felt so, so happy. And I don't know. Yeah. Like you can't really like explain that feeling. Just like we went through so much with that record. Yeah. It was kind of a tortured experience making that record. So like to have it finished. Yeah. And to like hold it and have it on vinyl, which is like just, it's just so beautiful and like, just like not like anything else. So it was really magical. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, before uh, I guess before we get into the to the new record and things like that, uh, what about first touring experiences? Uh, so you know you mentioned doing DIY tours and stuff like that. Sam, what was what was the first pony tour? The first tour we ever went on was it was like a month long, super like DIY, and like we were so poor that I was I had this brilliant idea where I was like we aren't gonna we aren't gonna spend a dime. We are camping every night. So (laughs) every night after we played, yeah, every night after we played, I would find a campsite and we would drive to a campsite after we played. So it's in the freaking pitch dark. We drive to a campsite. We set up our tents. We get bit by a million mosquitoes. (laughs) Like it was. What time? And then like summertime. It was summer. Yeah, it was summer. Okay. It was horrible. And like when we got back from tour, uh, we like didn't talk to each other. And like (laughs) a lot of the people in the band at that time quit. And I Uh don't blame them. Like it was, it was horrible. And we were all so dirty and nasty and tired. And like we drove, we went like all the way to Calgary and just played so many shows and and camped so often <laughs> i am so, this is before my um, time i hate i'm yeah. not an outdoorsman <laughs> okay yeah that's uh 
I mean, you know, it's the classic <laughs> situation where I'm sure that's a tour you will never forget. I'm sure that there was moments of that. I, well, I'm sure all your best touring stories will only be that tour. Like, no offense, Maddie. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of memorable, great shows. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of wonderful things that are going to happen or have happened since. But all of your best stories are from that tour. Am I wrong? It, yeah, it was like definitely like I'll never experience a lot of those things again but uh, i think the the hobby farm with with blueberry the goat oh yeah one. yeah 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 we like stopped at a story? we stopped at a farm where was that it was like i think it was in virginia, virginia somewhere and we, we were, were camping way to to north carolina we were camping on that tour too yeah. um <laughs> just we camped a couple twice times a couple tour. times okay okay <laughs> we don't camp anymore but yeah. um i saw this little these like goats on the side of the road and I was like Maddie can we please stop on the side of the road so I can see these goats I need to see them and so Maddie stopped the van and I got out and was just like clutching onto this fence like looking at these goats and this woman was like hey do you want to come and meet the goats like come <laughs> into the farm and we we're like yes we do and we met like all of these animals there's like alpacas and pigs and goats and she had just had a little baby goat it was a couple weeks Tiny. old named Blueberry. And I got to hold Blueberry. her in my hands. It was so oh. cute. And she had blue eyes. Oh, God. She was oh. gorgeous. It was just like a little, like, like she did, it like, um, they were like her pets, I guess. Yeah. Like, she, yeah. she bought the animals at auction from people who had abandoned them or like a lot of the, the animals had like physical disabilities or, um, people who had purchased pigs thinking that they would stay small, small once the pigs got huge. big yeah. they would be abandoned and so she would take them in and she was like walking around in flip-flops and like the all of the poo and stuff and she, she was, was just so like cool she's like oh you guys are musicians my husband's a music like just like such a nice lady like i'm surprised she didn't invite us into her house and like give us a treat or something but it was really that was like so cool and i hope that we can find that place again someday i have like a loose loose idea, idea of where, where it is. was it's yeah. near like we wow. stayed at a jellystone park uh, oh okay in virginia somewhere that's where you want to stay if you're camping on tour find yeah, the jelly stones because they got pools yeah oh interesting i didn't know that there was like a uh a chain <laughs> campground that's oh yeah there is yeah there is wow wow um i'm also fascinated by this sam because you i feel like if you're playing in a city to get to the campground you have to drive kind of far absolutely absolutely so you're like, like so what we would be driving like two hours after the show <laughs> that's what i was gonna say it's like for for what you would be spending on a hotel you're spending on Dude. gas to get to the get <laughs> absolutely like it was so 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 stupid and like our tent was like a two-person tent we all tried to fit in it it was like oh we and tenting is the worst because you're shivering all night but as soon as the sun comes up you're like cooked like a baked potato and you're like <gasps> get me out yep. of here uh this could just straight turn into a camping podcast that's literally my <laughs> least favorite part about camping it's me my too. least favorite part is because you've i can't i have trouble sleeping as it is so it's like you're kind of for i mean if not in a touring situation but it's like you're kind of forced to try to go to bed earlier than you, your body normally yep. wants to because there's just yeah. nothing to do and it's just too dark you can't do anything yeah <laughs> so and then 
you're woken up by the worst humidity and heat from being cooked <laughs> by yeah. yeah it's no thank you no thank you it's not fun uh, and no. i never liked it i don't i was like just so dedicated to like maybe possibly making money on tour that was like we're camping guys <laughs> i get it i absolutely get it um so this uh with the new record um it's called velveteen uh i was reading you know I, I read the press release about it like a responsible person i saw that alex gamble had uh he'd worked with like pup and fucked up and always and stuff like that where did your relationship yeah. with him start so we were on tour with fucked up and we had recorded half of the record already but we were not fully satisfied with it and Mike from Fucked Up was like, well, you got to go to Alex Gamble. And we were like, oh, yeah, maybe. And he was like, no, 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 you're going Alex Gamble. And he's going to make it sound <laughs> so awesome. I'll email him right now. Yeah, he's like, I'll email him right now. He sends an email that's just like, yo, Alex, uh, you should probably work on the new Pony record. <laughs> and so that's I mean, how that came to be. I, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to get it sent to me. And the production on it alone is it's unbelievable it sounds like such a huge record like it's yeah it's uh it seems extremely you know fully realized uh fully thought out um every you know single instrument sounds so clear and big um how was like even like the mixing process for that it sounds like a lot of love went into it for sure alex is a genius a genius a like watching him work was like so inspiring because he I don't know like he is a, literally a genius we would be like hey we want this thing here like we might have to re-record it um but like we were thinking about this for this and he'd be like just give me a second and just like click around and like scroll around on this little thing and then play it back and like it sounded huge and big and beautiful and perfect and like he was just like we were like recording and mixing at the same time and like he was adding different wow. elements and like he is so fast and like works so hard and it was like he was like outlasting us yeah the first he was day outlasting he did like us. 13 hours and i was like we we have to leave yeah now. we're like we have to go we have this. to go i can't hear any more music tonight but and he's he like, like what he's like genuinely built different he was a a mechanical engineer before i think oh wow like went to yeah. school to be a mechanical engineer and at some point was like uh you know what i actually uh just like music I like music so he started doing that and i he just approaches it very differently from anybody i've ever met yeah he's like so my least favorite part of recording is like the let's set up 12 mics and try each right one. and you're sitting there and it's like next the hurry you know, up and wait it's like yeah mm -hmm. yeah with him it was always like does it sound good okay let's do it On you a, know yeah, like, like so decisive just like really a, a treat to work it with was him. so fun and like he had so many cool ideas like i recorded a lot of the vocals while we were doing beds yeah we're doing bass and drums and live off the floor and sam was doing vocals, vocals in, in another in room and it was like amazing because i could just try different things every time we would record and then at the end we had all of this stuff all of these options for for vocals and some of it i ended up redoing just because we could but a lot of it we ended up keeping and it, i was like oh like i've never worked in such an efficient way and he's just so efficient and like so smart and so kind and mm -hmm. it was really That's awesome the cutest baby i've ever seen he's a cute baby <laughs> i think that it, it's funny i've never really talked about this but I, I think that the two greatest things that you could have 
working with like a producer or an engineer in a studio is um, that that endless flow of ideas or like troubleshooting sort of situation to just sort of figure out the mm -hmm. straightest way to like get to something. But then on top yeah. of that, um, the ability to understand the person they're working with, like and decipher what they want in a way that like there's like a language, you know what I'm saying? If you're like, yeah. I think that's the hardest part for for people who are not familiar with all the, the studio jargon and and all of that sort of stuff to like you have this thing in your brain that you want to say to make something sound a certain way but you're kind of you don't really have the words for it but that producer Absolutely. has the ability to to understand the translation and be like oh that you want this and to be able to just like hit a couple yeah. keys and yeah. then there it is absolutely he also absolutely. knew that we'd had some bad recording experiences in the past and he was like what was it about the past recording experiences that didn't work like what weren't you happy with blah blah, blah whatever so sam gave him like you know a list what of of kind of the things that we'd struggled with and like yeah. it really really felt like he took it seriously like that's amazing it, yeah. it was yeah he he's great and i would recommend him to anybody to anyone, trying to record yeah. intro anyone would be lucky to record with that yeah. guy so uh you know in the beginning of this conversation we were talking about uh how many songs you all wrote over over the period of uh of time and so when the note is like you know you guys had written 200 songs is that mm -hmm. due to the podcast or is that outside of that due to trying to write songs for this project as opposed to the patreon or was it all kind of like in the same world a mix of the yeah two. a mix a mix yeah. we were like writing songs for the pod every week and then here and there writing songs for the record and we did a record for my band pretty maddie as well during the pandemic that's yeah. like coming out so oh amazing for that yeah wow we wow were, we stayed busy yeah we never rested mm -hmm. that's for sure are you were you both able are you both able i mean it sounds like you're you're you two are very in line with uh with that need to just want to write are you both able to turn that off no no, it kind of does plague you. Yeah. Yeah, as I say, is that a so struggle? Yeah, it's hard to be an artist where you have to like fully motivate yourself to create something out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Like you are making s literally something out of thin air. And like, yeah. if you're not feeling... Like sometimes it's really hard to be like, oh, am I a songwriter? I, I haven't written a song in a couple of weeks or like sometimes it's it's like hard because you're not constantly able to make something tangible. So, yeah, it is a struggle for sure. Yeah. Um, there's this book that I read and I I do not like self-help stuff, self-help culture. Sure. I think it sucks. Yeah. Very toxic, yeah. full of weird grifters. Um, but it's it's written by the the legend of Bagger Vance guy. Um, it's called The War of Art. Uh, and I think that's a great read for like anybody in the creative field, like anybody trying to to do the thing. Um, I actually it was recommended on um, Jim Atkins, the Jimmy Eat World guy. He oh, talked yeah. about it on his podcast. Oh, okay. And yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there's I mean, I can imagine there's this fear that that you convince yourself of that, like, if you turn the faucet off, will the faucet come back on? Mm -hmm. And totally. you can yeah. convince yourself that that is a problem. Um, is that sort of where is that like one of the aspects of what you're talking about? Not so much for me. It feels like just 
I feel like I'm always up against the clock of life and like sure. being able to to do the things that I want to do. Like I generally try to get up at 6:30 every day and I'm up here working on music either like trying to write or just practicing like every day. Wow. I just like I think we both kind of just treat it like not I wouldn't say like a job but like it's like the thing that we have to we, do. Yeah, like it, we like, take it pretty seriously. Yeah, very seriously. Yeah. So a part of the write up that I found interesting that I'm sure once you all start doing a lot more press for this record you're going to be hounded about is obviously the record is called Velveteen but it was inspired by the fact that you both listened to the I'm assuming it was like an audio book recording of the Velveteen Rabbit every night to help get to sleep. Um Hey, is that is that factual? That's the story. Yes. Yeah, yeah that is a real true story because um oh. yeah, it was like a it's a podcast that helps you sleep, but the story that I loved the most was Velveteen Rabbit because um there's no cliffhangers. A lot of the other stories are like parts, like part one, part two, part three, but Velveteen Rabbit is the whole story. Mm -hmm. So if you are able to stay awake the whole time, you get rewarded by like hearing a full story. Which is always what you're trying to do when you're laying when you're trying, trying to, to, to go to sleep. Is provide a just in case. To stay awake, just in case. <laughs> yeah, maybe the story will end differently this time. <laughs> I wish it would. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess. I, I, well, uh, my question was going to be why that story, but you just wrapped it up right there. Where, where it, the fact that it is in a cliffhanger. Um, after a few nights of it, like did you find yourself falling asleep quicker like at, at certain points or like um and how did this become like what was the decision to make this thing the routine like I, I don't know it's just like a fascinating different sort of thing I've ever heard we're both bad sleepers yeah we both are it sucks to sleep Terrible. for both of us so yeah. it was just I was especially like just I couldn't sleep I was worrying like all night and so I would listen to this velveteen rabbit story i would i had been listening to a couple other stories in and out but this one i liked i was like oh i like this one it's very like charming it's very cute but then um like after it was actually the opposite where i would like fall asleep later and later like i was getting too invested in the story i think so i was like oh i have to try and like get to the end but uh, I had to stop listening to it because one night I got to like this scene where the Velveteen Rabbit, like he thinks he's real and these like actual real bunnies from the woods like are bullying him because they're like, yo, you're actually not real. Like you are sus. You are a stuffed animal. And it like yeah. I was just sobbing like I was like, no, like he's like realizing that like he's not real and like he can't jump like the other bunnies and they're like making yeah. fun of his body and stuff. And it was just like too sad. And so I had to yeah. stop listening to it because it was just way too sad. Definitely. Oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> that'll that'll that'll. Yeah. It's. It reminds me. I mean, it's, it's a fucked up comparison. I apologize, but it's like what you're just describing because that was like kind of hitting me emotionally when you were even just describing that aspect. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like the scene in Forrest Gump that gets me every single time, where, uh, when he realizes he has a kid and then he like 
when he asked Jenny, he's like, is he? And then he points at his head. Wrecks yeah. me every single time. So it's I, it yeah. harnesses that same feeling where you're just like, oh, yeah. my God. You're just like, you're like, oh, no. Like, you were just so happy. And then someone just ripped the, the blindfold off your eyes. And now you you have an even deeper existential dread than you could have ever even imagined. Like, you already were questioning how real you were and now you're like you're slapped in the face with like you're never gonna be that right and and without even having the realization that you are in fact just as good as everybody else or just you know like that Uh sort of a thing but you've been but this has been reinforced on you i like how deep we're getting on the velvet um but no i think it's really cool that that's that's uh that was the inspiration for the title and uh you know it's it's certainly something i've never really heard before um once this record comes out so you have touring plans i know as we're we're talking right now it's a couple months before the record actually comes out this this episode will air um around the release of the record but uh you're about to do shows with soft kill but then is it around the record you're doing shows with super heaven is that is that right yeah, we're doing a couple shows on the East Coast with Super Heaven. I think like right after the record comes Same out. Day, Same 19th, day, May 19th, 20th and nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, and twenty-two. Yeah, because a second Amazing. Boston show was added. Yeah, have you? Yeah, it'll be fun. Have you played many of these songs off this record live yet, or is these soft kill shows that are about to happen maybe the first time you're really doing some of them? Um, a lot of them will be our first time playing them live. We've played, I think, three. Three from the record we played um, when we were just doing a few shows with Military Gun. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to be doing a lot more new stuff. Yeah, we've been practicing like the... Because we also have a record release show that's not announced yet. Right oh, after cool. the um, Super Heaven stuff. So we're practicing like the full record right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. well, this will be out, I'm assuming, by the time that that show is being announced and everything. Where's that show happening? Where are you doing it? We're doing it at the Drake Underground in Toronto. Yep. Awesome. And awesome. hopefully it'll be sold out by the time this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's, I was thinking about it with the way you two were describing your songwriting process. Um, you know, it, it gets me excited and just from you know like on the sidelines like stoked on how many different bands are doing are are just like being so prolific without feeling um the pressures of uh you know the album cycle the album that you know like i, I think about how you just mentioned military gun like ian shelton is someone that yep. is constantly writing um mm-hmm. james goodson who does daisy is someone who is constantly yep. writing yeah. um you know, I, I always look to like, I, I know like Tony Molina is someone like that who, who, from what I know, has always been someone who does, you know, so I guess just from an outside perspective, like it's really cool to see this continue to happen with people from all different walks of life. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't know if there's not really a question in here other than the fact that like, keep it up because you're all doing a great job. Thank you. Oh, thank it feels you. like a really like a really cool time for music right now. Like there's so many bands that I think are so exciting and yeah. so great, like doing it and putting out new stuff and like they're all kind of on the rise at the same time like you said military gun daisy ms paint ms paint oh, ms paint's another that, great one so good yeah That's it's cool band. yeah i feel like so many of us are are feel like you know you have to write you have to write specifically for a record you have to write specifically for but like 
the more I'm, you know, seeing artists like you and and all the bands we just mentioned, it's like I, I like the idea of not feeling compound by those uh by those like I guess set of rules to like do that sort of thing and just to write for yourself and just to enjoy the process and have fun with it and not feel like there's this added pressure to do this or to do that. Like I don't know, it's inspiring in a lot of ways to see all of you, you know. Uh, being influenced by the same sorts of uh, by, by that drive i guess yeah i think that like you you only ever get to experience the work like there's never any point that you put out a record and you're like that's that's it like i've done it you know like every every record the goalpost moves every you know bigger show you play the goalpost moves whatever 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 like if you're not enjoying doing the work you're not you're ne you're never going to be fulfilled by it so you yeah. just like i'm just always trying to enjoy doing the work and be happy to be doing the work because it's lucky I love that. yeah it is it is it's for super sure. lucky that we that there are people out there that even want to listen to the little songs we mm -hmm. write so it's I feel very blessed yeah amazing amazing well that's a great place to uh to hit you with the last question which was when was the first time that you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards I think for me, the first time that I ever truly felt like, oh, yeah, this is this is right and this is real is like having someone come up to you after you've played and be like, oh, hey, like like someone just so stoked on the show that they're just like, I want to like start to play music, too. Or like, it's so cool that like you wrote those songs or like you learned how to play guitar and like, I want to start doing that, too. I think that to me is like what really like I was like oh okay like there's like a bigger reason to be doing all of this yeah no 100% that's a great answer what about what about you Maddie um I think when I so I I've played in bands like forever since I was a little kid but yeah. when I started doing the Pretty Maddie project in like 2018 or 2017 maybe I think that was kind of the first time because it was like the first time that I wasn't ever relying on other people for it really like I realized that I can write the songs and kind of like do the whole arrangement and like I can put out the tape I can you know do the artwork whatever like realizing that that it was something like accessible to me and that it was something that I could just do really like was the first time that I felt like kind of empowered by it and that was Absolutely. like, I, I think that's also something that was influenced by my time playing in self-defense family. Cause it was like the first recording I ever did with them was the EP that, uh, they put out, uh, kitten beach. That was the first time I ever recorded with them. And we were just like at, at one of their friends houses in Albany at the end of a tour recording with like, you know, an, an old interface into an old laptop and like maybe two mics or something. And I was like, Oh like you can just do this right and i think i actually because at, at the time of this recording a little like listicle just came out of all of the like ranking the self-defense eps and oh, i right. saw uh the guitar player chris responding to it saying that uh he mixed most of that stuff on like 90 dollar craigslist headphones in an untreated room or whatever and like <laughs> i just think that's so cool you know like mm -hmm it's there's really no you can just do it like you can just do it and yeah that rocks. 
I can't, was it self-defense that was planning? I don't know if it ever happened. Maybe they did where like they wanted to uh, make a, like show the document of like the sh really terrible equipment they used to record <laughs> something. And like the, the fact that like maybe the recording sounds really good, but they wanted to show like, look, we used actually the worst equipment possible to do this kind of a thing. I think that's, I feel like that was. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Sounds like something up their alley for sure. Yeah, um, I was gonna say it sounds like an Andrew idea. It that's where I, my brain was going for sure. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's amazing. I love both those answers. And yeah, I mean, there's you know DIY as a whole is looked at as you know like a, a badge of honor, but it could also you know very quickly been be made to feel like a hindrance. You know, where like oh mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. because I'm having to do this myself, it's not gonna sound good, or because I'm having to do this myself. No one's going to listen to it or, you know, but you should be empowered by it at the same time and, and feel, you know, and realize that there's so many people that are doing it just because, you know, that's all they have. And, and people can love it and people can think it sounds great and people can respect it. So, um, yeah, I feel like once you've realized that for yourself, it's like, you can just open up a whole world of, uh, yeah, it's of so empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. absolutely. This was awesome. Well, congrats on the record. It's it's fantastic. It sounds so good. I'm excited to hopefully Thank see you, you so all much. play. Do you have are there any West Coast plans in the in the works or not yet? Not, not yet, yet but, but hopefully. Yeah, we yeah. really would like to. Yep. Cool. I haven't been out cool. in a long time, so that would be nice. Awesome. Well, I'll keep a lookout. Uh have a good rest of your day. Thanks for hanging out. You too. You too. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. And that is our show. Thank you so much to Sam and Maddie for coming on and hanging out. Have a good week and wish me luck because I am flying. Take care. Bye-bye.